Round 12 has passed with the Cats beating comfortably Port Adelaide 91 to 31. 14 goals, 7 to the Cats to 4 goals, 7 to Port Adelaide. A 60-point win. Here with me, Zach and Ol again. Shades of 2007 in this one? Was it, it was never in doubt, was it, this game? We always knew we were <laughs> by about 10. So, um, a good win. Really good win. Yep. Yeah, I think... Look, we, uh, we were anticipating a possible victory, but I don't think anyone would have picked a 10-goal uh, shellacking. Yeah, That's look, what it ended up being. We've got to adjust the elephant in the room, get it right out of the way early. No one can see us, obviously, but Ole's got the, the box of tissues beside him because, of course, when he would have seen Sam Simpson grab for that hammy and twinge up, he's thinking, oh, this is going to be a two- to three-week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I must admit, I must admit, I thought of you guys. I must admit, I thought of you guys, and I, I'm like, they're gonna, they're gonna say something in the next episode. I know. After you threw something at the TV when you saw him pull up, <laughs> <laughs> threw my phone across the room. This <laughs> AFL that, live app. That that tissue box may have been passed on now to you, Zach. With well, if Simpson is injured for two to three weeks, does that make an inclusion for? Jack Stephen. Oh, surely logic would dictate, but oh god, who knows? It's got to be, got to be. Come on. So if, there, if there's no Stephen at this stage against Adelaide to get minutes under his belt, then there's 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 something else we're not he's not playing hearing. against a bunch. Oh, oh, if he's not playing against a bunch of under eights like Adelaide, are, I mean, come on. <laughs> Oh. Would you, yeah, would you would you have the uh, you'd have the jury out on the or you know the, the like potential vultures circle? Oh, he's got to play. You've got a ready-made AFL player sitting on the sideline. He's got to play. Let's move on. He's <laughs> <laughs> oh, revving up. Here we go. He's revving up. I like Hang it. I go and get a couple of beers, and then we'll make it even more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> a sixty-point victory. Up against the likes of Travis Boak, Ollie Wines, Scott Lysette, amongst others. Top of the team, Port Adelaide at Metricon Stadium. Now, we're talking before this game that we thought there'd be limited changes. And if there were, then maybe one or two at the very max. Brad Close came out. Your boy, Zach, Jack Stephen, came out, managed. <laughs> in came Lockie Fogarty and in came Sam Simpson for a little bit before a hamstring got his way. A 60-point victory. So no one really could have predicted 60 points to the Cats. Hawk, what an immense performance. Oh, oh just absolute. He went beast mode, if I've ever seen it. Seven contested marks, was it? Yep. And multiple score involved, like 12 score involvements, something ridiculous. Six goals. Six goals, two, he could have kicked more. The forward line's functioning fantastically well uh, with Gary Rowan also having a reasonable impact, you know, chiming in with another three goals, I believe. You know, the smalls are buzzing around as well. And, um, you know, whilst someone like Brian Myers didn't necessarily have a a standout game, a couple of his kicks were a bit wayward. His... uh, you know, the, the selling of the, the candy at the end to give it to um, Guthrie to finish off was nice. 
So most things, most things in the team are functioning well, but I think it's the defence really that's the main aspect. And we know that um, we know that Chris Scott likes to play that defensive-minded or defence-first game plan. Um, you know, reminiscent of a Italian soccer team, really. You know, so they're very, very solid in in defence, but very clinical in attack. So old school. That's the way it's day. going at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and, and as, you, as you mentioned, there, Grian and the, the small boys there, where they didn't probably show on the scoreline, but I think they made up for it in other factors. Brandon Parfit and the tackle count. Uh, Brian yes. Myers did get a bit of the ball. I think 14 touches from memory. Sam Simpson, had he played the full game, who would have knows what he what his stat line would have looked out at, at the end. For me... He, looked all, he was looking all right, but yeah. You, mm. yeah. You'd already pensioned him for three Brownlow votes, hadn't you? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. I think Hawkins had that wrapped up. Um, but, oh, but, you know, it's a midfielder's award, so it probably would have gone to Dangerfield anyway. Danger was brilliant too, by the way. Yeah, because uh, this is probably been the one big match where he's had to play in the middle. Where he hasn't had the, the ability just to rest up forward, where he's yeah. actually said, okay, no, this is a real tough game upcoming against some quality midfield opposition. I need to play midfield minutes and let the forwards do their thing. So I'm all for resting yeah. him, put him, play him at, at forward and <laughs> against Adelaide. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. you potentially don't play him at all. If you want to rest him and if you're back in our guns that much, maybe Zach. But yeah, yeah great game from Danger. He was just sorry that he slots in. And he's kick, he's kicking inside 50. We talk about his set shot. Field kicking was brilliant. In 2020 and 2019, uh, his set shots very much below par. To the point yeah. where he'd be... An amazing mark, amazing contested mark. And at Cooney Park, the crowd would be cheering at every single stand from Red Chicky to the Gary Ablett Terrace to the Brownlow stand everywhere. And then people kind of sat down. They were, oh, wait. Collective oh, groan. Ah, oh, dangerous kicking. <laughs> Knowing yeah, the collective that groan across the ground. He's a better kick from oh. 50, 55 out than 25, 30 metres. It's crazy. I've yeah. never seen another yeah, a bit of the- like it. Bit of the Mooney factor, good from a long way out, but a 50-50 uh, proposition at best from within the 30 metres. Oh, there's some elite kicks in the in the side. You've got Menegola as well as a good kick. Cam Guthrie is a good kick. Um, Duncan's always a good kick as well. So it's good to have so many guys who you'd back in from basically anywhere to hit the target. Hawkins as Criminally. well is kicking well. Criminally underrated, uh, Mitch Duncan, but we'll get yeah. to that in a moment, <laughs> I'm sure. The the big three, Mitch Duncan, Sam Manigola and Cam Guthrie, that have really stood up for the Cats this year in 2020 with Gaz either in the forward line or not playing at all for personal reasons. Uh, Danger being rested for long periods in the forward line. Selwood either injured or playing a slightly different role when he has come back, more on the wing. So... For them to stand up and be in the position where we are now in the top four after 12 rounds is incredible. And with the fixture list that we have upcoming, which we might talk about, we're the only real top eight candidate there you'd think would be Richmond on paper. And the rest you'd think are quite manageable, assuming that we turn up on the day. But Sam Manigola, Cam Guthrie, as you said, Zach, 
did that thing, turned it on. 27 touches for Guthrie on the night. Sam Nagoa, 20 as well. In the back line, Charlie Dixon has been an absolute weapon for Port Adelaide this year. Kept to zero goals, zero. I think he had three, four touches, and they were all in the last quarter, thanks to yep. Harry Taylor and Lockie Henderson. Not that much talk about Hendo, saying he's, like, he's played three games this year. He's kept defences, key defenders, to, if not no goals, minimal goals. Filling in for that extra spot for Harry, he's allowed Tui to go up forward. Creates another dimension for us. And to think that we're about to delist him, looking mm. at um, some other players mm. that we have on our squad at the moment. He's, um, ah, he's a beauty. Look, he's, he's, all, he's seen universally, I think, as someone who just sort of plays your role as sort of a depth player. But when push comes to shove, providing no injuries, he'll probably slot out, which I hope doesn't happen. Like I said last week, I think it'll depend on who we play and what their forward line looks like. But when he, when he warrants selection, he's, he's a really good contributor. He's a good kick of the ball as well by foot, supports Harry Taylor. They seem to have good chemistry, those two as well, which is good. So, yeah, for mine, as long as he's not injured, he plays. Yeah, they're, the, they're the senior figures in defence now, so they make, you know, they make uh, sensible decisions more often than not. Oh, look, uh, they, they ripped Charlie Dixon apart. And look, he, he's a pretender. I mean, look, this is. I mean, this was a top of the table clash. Well, I was laughing as he normally does at what I say. Um, but look, I mean, you know, we're we're a good side, and you know, well, it's easy. Did they play played Adelaide a while ago? Well, again, you know, anyone can kick a bag of half a dozen against Adelaide. But it's when you come up against the good sides. Yep. He's torn apart. O'Connor spent yep. a bit of time on him and exposed him as well. So, you know. O'Connor was amazing. Well. O'Connor yep. was amazing. Your, your, your boy from last week, Zach. Mark O'Connor uh, has been incredible the last couple of games. He's, he, he's unreal. I'm get, getting a real man crush on O'Connor now. He, he's really, really good. He's played well. And look, simply, they, they gave him a hiding. It was as simple as that. Didn't kick a goal. I mean, that, that's not good enough. You know, Geelong's defenders are just too smart and too well-organised and disciplined and all the rest of it, really. I mean, um, Harry knows to play, you know, the key forward off the back shoulder while the corresponding defender for Port Adelaide, uh, Cleary, he didn't... He wasn't doing that against uh, Hawkins. And when he started to do it, it was already too late. That's Hawkins it. No, was, they, were talk, they were talking Coleman medal. Oh, give me Comparing him yeah. to Warren Treadway, oh, that's just embarrassing. So let's let's move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's he 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 had a stinker. He'd love his time again. I'm sure. What do you think of Lockie Fogarty's display? We talked then about the ends. Sam Simpson, obviously, we won't go into because he didn't have that much playing time. But Lockie Fogarty finished, I think, with was it twelve disposals? I think on the night. Yeah, twelve um, disposals. Mm, most of them short kicks, chipped in with a goal towards the second half. Did he do his job or was this more an opportunity where he really could solidify his space and make Jack Stephen nervous and other players potentially coming in nervous? I reckon, I reckon he did well. I like his disposal efficiency. I reckon he's a, a good kick. Got to get better at decision-making and work on that as most other young players do, I think. I think he, he would be putting pressure on Jack's team because at the end of the day, he's a far younger player and he's played less games. So I think he would be putting pressure. I mean, he wouldn't be the first one, you'd say, would 
dropped if you had to be making that call now. And you're playing a, a top four team in a crunch game, so I think you take that into account also. One thing for me, when you have Scott Lysett and Laddams actually had a fantastic game, which is a player probably prior to 2020, not many people would have said that. Port Adelaide yeah. against Geelong, uh, not at either's home base. The Laddams to step up and have an amazing game um, and Lysett as well. But the thing for me was, I guess, looking at the key stats here when it comes to hitouts, because we got beaten in the hitout count and well and truly beaten. Hitouts were 32 to 20 in Port Adelaide's favour. Mm-hmm. Clearances were pretty much even, 31 to 30 in Geelong. Mm-hmm. Sending clearances 13 to 9 in Geelong's favour. Yeah. Stoppage clearances yeah. 21 in Port Adelaide's favour to 18 in Geelong. So even though they've got pretty much a truck of Ruckman there, Lysette and um, Laddams, even Westhoff, it was in the forward half. If he was playing, I'm sure he would have done some work as previously. Last week we came up against Rowan Marshall. So I, I back up my point there that I don't think the Ruckman is the issue really that it is actually predicting and getting to the ball first, or if not, then creating that pressure, which the three players that I think we posted out, we did point out through a post, have been the clutch for us this year in the midfield, being Mitch Duncan, Sam Manigola, and Calm Guthrie, Cold Rock himself. So I, I honestly don't think when it comes to trade time, when it comes to draft time, that we need a Ruckman, knowing that Stanley has come back when he's fit. He's performing really, really well. I know that Darcy Ford's currently injured, but it's not a long-term injury. There's a lot of local produce that we found. Darcy Ford recently, Ryan Abbott previously, now at St Kilda, albeit hasn't found a game, but they've done the job for us at times. So I, I think the ball nowadays is one in the shortened corners through the intense burst. Unless you're someone like Nick Natanui, who's an absolute freak where you can just punch the ball 30, 40 metres long into the forward 50. I'm not sure really if the ruck position is as pivotal as it once was. So do you think that... Uh main issue for Geelong was that next tier stepping up. And at the moment, they're doing that. So it doesn't necessarily highlight the fact that there was or apparently was any ruck issue. I think it's a mixture of that where we've seen players this year, especially the big three, Cam Guthrie, Mitch Duncan and Sam Manigola, along with sometimes Parfit, sometimes Lockie Fogarty in there um, producing clearances and scrambling for the ball at all costs, but also Mm -hmm. how the nature of the game has changed this year. We'll see what happens in 2021, but this year being shorter quarters, more fast paced means that Mm -hmm. a real slow Ruckman that is an absolute seven foot beast that is going to get your your hit outs, your Aaron Sanderlands, if you like, it would be nullified in today's game because you need to get around the ground. You need to be running forward and back. 
That's why yeah. Boots Arts is very effective as well. And I think that's why Rowan Marshall and ROB and these type of young ruckmen, this year we've seen Laddams come out and produce the goods. I think these type of ruckmen uh, are really pretty much exposing the new generation of ruckmen. So I think it, it, it'll be interesting for, for key forwards maybe or key backs that develop into ruckmen in the future. I don't think it's a, a classic hit out Ottens. I think that time's actually expired, but I'll throw it to you, Zach, whether maybe I'm just basing this off a, a 2020 COVID year with rules and that have been brought down to 16 minute stoppages and that favor Nick Natten where he's licking his lips and in another world, another time, if this was 2019, we maybe okay, having this conversation. Everyone's allowed. Everyone's allowed their opinion. It's good to have a debate as well. But look, no, I. I That's why I'm right. All the all the great teams. Like I'm talking Brisbane, us. You know, oh seven, nine, eleven, Hawthorne. I guess all of those great teams, not just one-off premierships. They've they've all had good, a genuine rough, and even West Coast in 2018, Nick Nanui. So. I think you put this year aside when everything gets he, back to some sort of not normality. Nick didn't play in the grand final, but he did play in the year. Yeah, correct. All of the good team, you, you need a Ruckman. Richmond? The fact of the matter is that you need a good Ruckman. Richmond? Whether that's an ships? athletic Ruckman, whether it's... Yep. Was Josh Bruce in the Ruck for, for Western Bulldogs that year? Maybe maybe my view's outdated, but I'm I'm absolutely out of it. You need some form of ruckman, whether it's an athletic ruckman, whether it's a tap ruckman, whether it's more of a solid ruckman. You you need a good ruckman to win a flag. So after the performance against Port Adelaide and the performance against St Kilda, are you happy with Stanley, or do you think maybe yeah, give it a few more shots? Upcoming in a week, we've got ROB, who's a really formidable opponent. So he'd be a good match for Stanley as well. Are you giving it a few more games to see where Stanley no, no, really push. lies? Or? No, 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 no. You push ahead with Stanley for sure. There's no reason to drop him out of the side. Yeah. The other thing, I guess, is looking forward now, oh, we are playing Adelaide. They haven't won a game yet. Is this a good opportunity to rest players? And if so, who would you be resting? How many? Or do we really kind of want to stay and solidify it yet? Get this top four. If we win this match, we've got four matches to play. Only one, I think only one is in the top eight, being Richmond. Um, And even then, you could argue, well, are they really the Richmond of old? So when it comes to the Adelaide game, would you be resting a lot of players? Or would you just want to sink that one in the bank with a nine-day break in between to get players arrested? I think nine days is long enough. And maybe not wholesale changes, but maybe one or two changes. Just nothing out of the ordinary, though. Um, if, if someone substantial, you know, like a, let's say, yeah, like a somewhat important player that is replaceable to a degree... Uh, if they pull up sore, then, then yeah, you, you can take them out and bring someone else in. But I know that Adelaide are playing pretty average football at the moment, but I always like to see Geelong treating every game seriously. It doesn't always happen. 
to you know to the frustration of many fans. You'd like them to come out and say, right, we're going to put them to the sword. If they do that, then you know we'll um, have more to discuss in the next episode, and we'll be uh, I'm sure we'll be happy about that result if it does happen. But um, I think yeah, the nature of the question is like we kind of take the foot off the gas. Um, no, I wouldn't want to. But I'd be open to hearing the other views. And I can see the other perspectives, but I'm the sort of person that would be that bullet again. Just just run through as many teams as you can. Win as many games as you can by substantial margin. Don't flirt with, with, uh, with form. And uh, if we're good enough to beat someone, it won't really matter who's in the team as long as you play to the structure and the um, system. You know, you, you that you want to, that you're supposed to. So, yeah, I guess that kind of answers your question. So, Zach, the season that we've seen has really been what Paul Roos described and ongoing after that, where we've seen injury after injury, pretty much, of high-profile players, Isaac Heaney's and such. So, yep. going into this game against Adelaide, where they haven't won a game at all this season, and I know it's bubble scenario which isn't ideal for players at all but they've just lost Tom Duday as well down the back yep. so you'd be looking at what Brody Smith um, as one of the main people down there uh, along with a few others uh, Tom Lynch I don't think will be playing they've got a long list of outs there's debate in the media already about Dangerfield comments here and there regarding Brad Crouch when I'm not going to discuss the merit of that really but Given the nine-day break, how much confidence do you have in the likes of Brad Close, Lockie Fogarty, Sam Simpson, Zach Guthrie, um, Jack Stephen? Asava was meant to actually play the game against Port Adelaide. Um, yeah, he but he came up sore the day after, yeah. the day before in training. So it wasn't a deliberate ploy to play Gary Rowan and, uh, and Hawkins together. Would you be maybe resting Hawkins? Would you be maybe resting... Danger, Selwood, one of our key players, or a couple of them. But what what do you think that compared to Ol's approach? How would you look towards this? Oh, look, Tom Hawkins is going to win the Coleman Medal. The way he's going, he plays every week, so he can get his tally up as high as he can go. But um, I think age will come into this one. I think this would benefit someone like Harry Taylor, saving the trip from um, Queensland to Adelaide and then back to Queensland again. I think maybe one or two of those older players. As you said, Tom Lynch isn't playing. They've got a young forward line, Adelaide. So I think we can afford to give Harry a rest. Hendo and O'Connor and those sort of guys can hold down the fort for a week. And maybe not Selwood because he's missed again. Dangerfield, I think he plays. You might pick maybe one or two, one or two others just to give him a little bit of a break. I think who that would be could be, as I said, I'd be leaning towards age. Could be for workload. We don't know what happens behind the scenes either. So... Maybe even Stanley, if they're wanting to keep him cherry ripe for later on, if Darcy Fort's available, who knows? You bring Sav in and play him exclusively in the middle? Yeah, well, there, yeah, well, there you go. It depends what their mindset's going to be. But I think we can afford to rest one or two, maybe even three, three of our guys this week. Yeah, I completely yeah, which agree. Kind of, which kind of aligns with what I said. So if there's going to be changes, just your standard one or two, maybe three, 
nothing holds that. I'd be giving Harry priority one, as I said, I think because A, of his importance to the side, but B, because of his age, I think, as I said, you know, save save the trip from Queensland to SA and back again, just ice him up, give him a couple of weeks. When you think about it, I think it's got to be at the very minimum three because Sam Simpson's going to be out with a hamstring injury. And then if you're talking about mm-hmm. resting players, you've raised Harry Taylor there. If you're talking about some other players, okay, that brings in... The likely option is bring in Zach Guthrie for Harry Taylor. Hendo can lock down that fort against the smaller forward line. Midfield, maybe a Mitch Duncan, um, who's played some games, or a Cam Guthrie, who's been in the guts, and just to protect them a little bit, one less game. But if Hawkins is going to play, then that means that Asava, for me, has to play his natural position, being half forward, slash ruck rotator at times. Because when it comes to finals, we can't be switching towards a system that we haven't been using. So I think we really need to start yeah, switching a system. And when it comes to Sam Simpson, when it comes to Fogarty, they can come in and chip chop, but our system needs to be ready and locked. We've only got five games to go. So use this period. On that note, I think we might just have a quick break. So Leon's joining us here in the panel. First off, Leon, how did you become to be a Cats fan? Was it by birth? Was it by the blue and white? Um, no, so I migrated to this country in 2001. And um, I was in prior, no, in high school then. And the pressure was to follow, you know, Collingwood, Essendon, Hawthorne, those sort of clubs. I said, yeah. no, I'm going to pick a random game, which was, Hawth- which was Richmond and Geelong. And I said, I'll follow the winner of that game, which was Geelong. In 2001, so yeah, nice one, good stuff. So, you've seen three premierships in your lifetime, yep, yes, same, same as lucky. all of us here. Hopefully, a fourth this year, yeah. We're just talking before Leon about the nine day break upcoming for the Cats between the Port Adelaide match and the Adelaide match in Monday week's time. We're talking about potentially resting players, key players, noting that. Adelaide haven't won a game yet. Do you think that we should be resting maybe a Harry Taylor or a Mitch Duncan or some heavyweight players, maybe Tom Hawkins, or would you just go in and try to bank the four points and really secure that top four position? So we've got two games before a bye, which is Adelaide and Bulldogs. And we got to travel to Adelaide and then travel back to, I think the next game is Metricon. Uh, Momentum in footy is... It takes a while to build up. We've got the momentum going. I wouldn't rest anyone. I would bank the eight points and then have the week off and then maybe rest a couple of players. Okay, similar to my my argument earlier. Adelaide are closer to a win, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, the, every, every game they lose, they're closer to a win. Exactly. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, you, you can't underestimate the players that they have. We'll, we'll be up against... We were just mentioning Stanley the last couple of weeks, uh, being tested against Ron Marshall. Then last week against Port Adelaide, being tested against Scott Lysette. Upcoming, being tested against Riley O'Brien, a really good ruckman too. So a, a good opportunity for Stanley. 
uh, with Asafa Radagalea coming back and spending, hopefully spending a little bit of time in the ruck too. But Crouch, Rory Sloan, Smith, all, although it, Tom Duda is injured for the season now, which is a big plus to us up forward. Some of these players, you, they can't really un, underestimate too much their quality, especially the Crouch brothers. So we do need to bank these four points. And if we don't, then I think we'll be where we were when we were playing Carlton uh, before that game, wondering if we don't win this game, then, oh, geez, okay, we need to have a chat. <laughs> yeah, or the, the, yeah, the um, Fremantle game, North sorry. Melbourne game, I think. Yeah, but I, I, tend to, I tend to agree. This is a game that we have to win. Every game's a game that you ought to win, but this is a game... You know, I mean, if we're if we're serious, we need to be winning against the bottom team. Yes, and convincingly too. Yes, My I would league. say we need to win four of the next five games to guarantee top four. Just looking at the ladder. Mm, and Zach, the advantage is I think that the only real strong team on paper that we play for the rest of the season is Richmond who even then have their ups and downs, players in and out, and their system doesn't seem to be how it has been the last years that have been the premiership years. So there's issues surrounding whether Richmond will make the top four at all. So I think that's a, a really good one that we, towards the end of the year, we are playing Adelaide, we are playing Sydney, we are playing Essendon, we are playing these types of teams. At the same time, as we've seen with Carlton, as we've seen getting over the line with Gold Coast, uh, you take every match on its merit. The, my only issue with the Port Adelaide game, which we haven't spoken with that, I think, off air, was that, yes, we played well first quarter. Yes, we played well second quarter. Yes, we played well third quarter, Zach. But even in the fourth quarter, we were up by less than 20 points. We were seven goals, seven, and kicked seven straight. Blew them out of the park. So with, when Chris Scott was asked after the match, was this the first four-quarter four display that's really been shown? And his answer was yes and extrapolated on that. I actually disagree completely. Yeah, well, I, I disagree with you. I think when you when you put it in the context of playing the top of the ladder team, a big big Friday night game, we, we did put a four-quarter effort together. I think we were pretty consistent across the across the four quarters, stuck to our structures, played really well. So I, I think that was the best four quarter or full game performance that we've had so far this year. Um, just, yeah, just to point out, yeah, the fact that we didn't know that we were going to belt them. So the heat was on early, you know, as it always is. So you have to be going, you know, going hard at the ball and the whips are going to be cracking early in the match. So... Both teams would have started wanting to make statements. It's just that initial arm wrestle for probably three quarters and then we really gained the momentum and put the foot down. Sure, I, I, I get that. But I'll ask Leon that previously against West Coast when we were up by between three to four goals and we kept them in the game. We could have put them away and we could have, if it got to the five goal margin that 30 points and that's game done and dusted and it felt like for a lot of this game that we were dictating the ball um we were having a lot of uncontested disposals playing to our advantage dixon was seeing none of it 
the ball was being held by Hawkins on a string. But at three-quarter time, and even in the fourth quarter, when you're up by less than 18 points, and we've seen this year that one minute of football can change the nature of a game. What were you thinking, Leon, at three-quarter time, or even into the early stages, the very early stages of the four quarters before the the real seven-goal display came on and suddenly we won by 60 points. Were you, were you slightly nervous like I was in similar fashion to the West Coast game or were you happy as to how we were playing at that point? So, there was a couple of things. So the West Coast game had the crowd involvement, which definitely felt more close than what it was. So we didn't mm-hmm. have that factor, which I definitely reckon that helped. Also, uh, against, against West Coast, West Coast... Um, they kept getting the ball, but they just couldn't convert. But in this game, um, I suppose we had more control for more of the game. Mm. So I wasn't as nervous. But yeah, I, I, I knew we were two goals away from pretty much, that's it, game over. We're not going to lose. But yeah, it was. <laughs> I, I like it to be done at three-quarter time. Yeah. yeah. I always like that, that element of uh, comfort. Um but I think we were keeping them at arm's length. We just hadn't yet slammed the door shut. But I did feel like we were in control. It was just a matter of time before we would pull away. But I didn't expect to pull away uh, with uh, you know, seven straight goals or whatever it was. I didn't expect to put the foot down as much as we did. In an ideal situation, Leon, if, if we had to kind of pick, we know it's at this point, unrealistic subject to further changes that the grand final may be held at the MCG, that it's likely to be played interstate. Do you think there's a certain ground that may be best appropriate for the Cats come finals? Maybe not grand final if we reach out, although we all love to reach out and win that. But um, for me to mind, the Gabba comes to mind just because it's short. If you win the contested ball, it's straight to Hawkins, Radigalia. Whereas Optus, obviously, I think the dimensions there are well talked about being made in similar light to the MCG. Or are you kind of more of the the light that will... A bubble's a bubble. Um, the players are playing. You have to get it done wherever, at home or far away. Well, that's true. You have to get it done where you're playing. You can't choose that. I prefer the Gabba, like you said. But it also depends who we're playing against. If you're playing against a fast team, you know what I mean? Like, then you probably want to play them at Optus because you can slow down the game. But at the Gabba, it's going to be, you know, breakneck pace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. that initial centre clearance is going to be, be vital. Yep. I, I need some backup here. So I'm going to test it because I'm the only one that agrees with this, that talking with Zach and Ol about the hitouts and how we were beaten in the hitouts well and truly. I think it was 30 to 18, Port Adelaide's way. Scott Lysett and Laddams doing the, the goods there. Reece Stanley still having a good display getting around, um, getting around the ground and how the game and the reduced time each quarter actually benefits Ruckman, who can just have the endurance to, such as Nick Nat, um, versus the old school Aaron Sanderland's tap ruckman and whether the ruck issue is actually such a pressing pressing issue for clubs now, such as Geelong, or whether it is more just players around the contested ball to win it. Do you think it's still as prevalent as it was maybe 
four or five years ago that, that get a ruckman in for Geelong? I would say it's the opposition. That's what I would say. And also, um, our midfield, like when Danger rests up forward, our, our midfield is so much more defensive that it wouldn't matter. So there's a few few scenarios to play out there. Personally, obviously, you would you would take a ruckman that would dominate. You you wouldn't say no to that, especially in finals. Mm. But if you're playing against a team who's got a second-rate Brockman and you've got a defensive midfield, uh, you're, you're already ahead of the game. Upcoming ROB versus Stanley. ROB has shown last year that he's a quite a versatile Ruckman. Um, can do things on the ground as well as great tap Ruckman that he is. Would we like danger in the guts? Would we rest him up forward against a team like Adelaide who noting really that, yeah, Tom Duday, Geelong boy, is out for the rest of the season and their defence is looking quite shaky. I don't think Rory Laird will have that much impact exiting their defensive 50 with the likes of Atkins or whoever pressure forwards it may be playing there. Resting players, not too much there. Key players. Bring in Jack Stephen, would that be the only one there? Or... Well, so, you're, so Simpson's out for next week. Yeah, um, yep. how many? Yeah, two, two to three weeks. Would you bring in Stevens or do you bring in Close? That's the other question to get more game time in him because I really like his forward pressure. I agree. That, that, I agree with you there. Yeah, I think Zach. It depends what being, role. Yeah, Zach. Your point being that if we brought him in, a thirty-year-old player, if we brought him in to win a premiership, then surely you want him in the game. But Zach, what's your kind of your counter to that? I guess. Uh, would yep. you bring in Jack Stephen? <laughs> yes, because we've we've recruited him to win us win us games right now, right at this very minute. So yes, if he's fit, he needs to play. Simple. <laughs> I like it. I like yeah. it. I, I don't think uh, I don't think Zach's budging on that one at all. No, I'm I think, he, I think I, you I made it. Know. You made it from round one clear that. Yeah, <laughs> is a third-year-old four-time BNF for St Kilda that needs to play games. So um, there's an issue there. Yeah, after 12 rounds, whether you need to play game, manage, play game, manage for a pick 47. Should you have used pick 47 then, or up traded? Oh, well, look, I mean, there's there's always been queries around his his fitness, I think, and things like that. And I, I told Old during the week that there is issues around fitness. We'll get him up to Jets in Belmont, lock him in the gym with Ol and get him fit. And done. <laughs> he actually is. Uh, <laughs> I like it. W- would, you play him, would you play him as a midfielder for the whole game? Oh, look, I think if you've got queries about fitness, maybe not for the whole game. I mean, you'd hope he could get at least half a game, ideally. Two-thirds, three-quarters of a game he... Um, he has shown at St Kilda that he can play forward. He's not a bad kick, so whether he goes there or maybe even across the back flank, who knows? We'll have to see see what players are available and see who we're playing as well. Would you use that same argument then for Josh Jenkins to play? Because he was recruited for the same reason? Yeah, well, ideally, it's a bit harder with Jenkins because I think if he plays, you've sort of got to choose between him and... And Sav, I know Jenkins has been <clears throat> he's been injured. It's obviously a bit harder for him because the VFL's not playing, so they've really only got scratch matches that they can get their match fitness of. Oh, I mean, look, if you ask me, Jenkins or Sav, I'd be playing. 
I'd probably play Sav first, I think, just given that his conditioning's a bit better. I know that does sound a little bit a little bit counterconstructive. It could yeah. be it could be a good match to assuming in a hypothetical world if Jenkins was fit to actually blood him in this game and maybe rest Hawkins and play Sav and play Jenkins together. So um, my argument being Sav needs to at this point with five games to go, continue that structure. We don't want to have Hawkins roaming as the only forward and Gary Rowan floating. So Sav and, and Hawkins are the two come finals. I think that's pretty much noted by co- coaches, noted by supporters. Sav was meant to play against Port Adelaide, subject to some soreness and injury in training the day before. So to bring in Jenkins at this point, he subject to an injury from Sav or, um, or Hawkins or maybe even a, a key defender where Blitzars has to, or Ruckman, sorry, where Blitzars has to go into the ruck. But it, it could be a, a point where maybe we rest a player just to get Josh Jenkins playing because come 2021, we're not sure what our squad will look like and whether all three can play together. We had during pre-season, Josh in interviews saying how excited he was about the prospect of him, Asava and Tom Hawkins all playing together. And uh, maybe Gary Rowan doesn't help that <laughs> being a six foot three marking target as well, or Zach Tui up forward as well. So, uh, but at this point in time, when you got five games to go before finals, do you think it's too late, Leon, or is it worth a crack? Uh, I would say it's worth a crack in probably the last game or the last two games where you know where you're going to finish or you know sort of. You know, at, at the moment now, you don't know you're going to finish top eight, let alone top four. Yeah. So it's a bit uncertain to risk that at this stage. That's just my opinion. Yeah. That's probably a fair argument. Yeah, that's a, that's a, I'd say that's a decent argument. Um, oh, oh, come on. It is, but you know we're going to win this week. Also. That's, <laughs> going, to be a, that's going to be a huge soundbite if we lose. You know that. <laughs> We could have the players tie their hands behind their back and blindfold them and we'd still beat that. <laughs> You've gone out on an absolute limb there. To, um, some would say you haven't. But um, uh, look, you know, like Leon said or like we mentioned earlier, if um, you know, the more games they lose, the closer they are to a win. That's the way we've got to treat it. We're lucky with the nine-day break. Uh, I'm also lucky that Smith's in my supercoach team, so he'll pick up some due day points for me. <laughs> but, yeah, it's interesting one here, I guess, with the players that we do have to come in. We haven't mentioned yet, I guess, Gary Ablett um, potentially coming back to the hub, potentially not. A lot has happened the last couple of weeks. The passing of cousin Shane Tuck, mother-in-law's passing on top of that Natasha Ablett's unfortunate passing a few years ago. So Gaz has, yeah. has had some tough times. Um, Reg over past Ty Canelli, 108 games is the second Irish player ahead of um, yeah, Ty Canelli. Games, yeah. So Jim Steins leads that, I think on 264. I don't think he'll get there because he's probably got to maximum two years in him. Two years. Is it, I'd say. is it 264 or is it 246? Either way, I, I, you'd have to play three seasons. I can't see him playing until 
2023? A possibility in, in future, and you have shorter turnarounds, uh, but more intensive recovery and that sort of thing, then maybe you do have a shortened season. I mean, if this, if this structure of the year seems to work well or for some reason, you know, public opinion seems to like it, then it might be changed and we might play each other once, have the, the 18 rounds or whatever it is, and then have finals. So you shorten the season. As uh, Dangerfield has mentioned in the past, I believe, he's always advocated for a, a shorter season. But there was a comment from Dangerfield in the passing week that that the Players Association or those that they've been speaking to would um, be up for a 27-game season under these 16-minute stoppage quarters, mm. which I seem, which I feel a bit strange about because, yep, yeah, more games, that's good. And uh, it's good because I think fans get to see more depth of their squad and players that they usually wouldn't see. Maybe we wouldn't have seen Brad Close debut for the Cats at all this year, um, along with getting games from Lockie Fogarty and some of the other stars we've we've seen. But, but what are yeah. your thoughts, Leon, there regarding the, the kids, I guess, and the, the new crop and the generation and the midfield that we do have, even when the, the, the second tier, as we like to call them, that, uh, Cam Guthrie or Mitch Duncan, even there at, at least 28, 29 to th- into their 30s there. It, is it great to be blooding these kids now, do you think, or is this really premiership time? Um, so I, I think it's always good to blood kids, but uh, you've got to do it systematically. So as long as we're still in the run for, like we're definitely in the run for premiership, I reckon in the next two, maybe three years at this stage. Yeah. So I would definitely blood kids because you never know in finals when you have an injury and you need someone in the next week. But uh, you've yeah. got to do it systematically. You can't just blood, you know, a bunch of kids in one game. Yeah. I completely agree there. Yeah. Well, hopefully upcoming against Adelaide, there won't be an issue regarding third quarter nervousness or whether we have to even address that at all. Um, And it'll be an easy win, whether we rest players, whether we don't. Before we kick that off, but we'll get our usual predictions, our usual cloud of cat of the week for every one of us. Tip it off though, new new segment, killer cat. One thing that just we're not happy about during the week and or just kind of prickled up inside us. For me, it's the handling of the hub scenario from the AFL and commentators in there. First of all, commentators, yep, I'll name them. Brad Johnson, the smiling assassin, is useless as a commentator. <laughs> nothing other than saying what it, the commentators have actually said at halftime. People like Kane Corns coming out and saying, oh, maybe, um, I think uh, maybe, yeah, uh, Clory played on him deliberately. So when they play in finals, uh, no, <laughs> you saw his face every time <laughs> that Hawkins kicked a goal. <laughs> I know that's an extreme one, a shock jock, but also I think the PR for the AFL, you look at other codes and the NBA and how they've utilized this year and other things being in the bubble and how they've used that to highlight. Yeah. The, the dystopian year that it has been um, along with, with other causes, not 
going into a, a, a political discussion, I guess. But the AFL's real lack of ability to even really address that or really kind of include that apart from a kind of, a, in my view, the very the very least and weakest Colin Kaepernick knee on the ground, which is the, which everyone does now. So I, I'm a bit disappointed in that. And I know it's all about revenue and hence why there's so many games being played in so many days, but yeah, that would definitely be mine. Zach, throw it to you. Oh, look, mine, mine, mine goes back to holding the ball. Like I'm, Interpretation it changes every week. I mean, half of them they get paid. I just don't understand. But for me, it goes further than that. It goes, it goes to a man that I've hated absolutely and hates Australia. <laughs> I have hated since September the thirtieth, two thousand eight, and that is Alistair Clarkson. Because <laughs> whenever something yeah. doesn't go right, you know what he does. He'll go and have a latte with Gil or have a sook and just anything that's not going his way. And you think, oh well, rather than adapt or do what a normal coach does. <laughs> I'll just go and have a you know what? Yeah, I've got Gil on the speed dial. He, he, you know, he'll fix it for me and whatever. Just and then he goes and has a talk about it, you know. And then he, and then the numbers still don't go. So I mean, get on your park, get all your dad's army players to start doing something. Your team's useless. Just get on with the job and do us all a favour and retire and go off and live somewhere else. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Zach ends on a bang, absolutely bang, absolutely, absolutely unleashed there. Oh. Leon, what about you? What's one thing that's kind of frustrated you football-wise, whether it be directly cats or uh, uh, across the board this week or season-wise in this strange dystopian year, as we say? So, yeah, definitely the interpretation of rolling the ball slash disposal interpretation. That's been varied every week. Just got to toss a coin and have a guess. Uh, the other one that's been annoying for a while now is when – uh, forwards in absolute hot form kicking goals, you take them off, rest them. That's and dead on. That's that still annoys me. Yeah, that's yeah. That's one that kept on, on my nerves that I didn't actually think of for sure. Yeah, yeah. having to take you know, deciding to take a player off because of the sports science aspect. Whilst I respect, you know, the the uh, fitness staff and, and all that sort of stuff, you've got to also know the state of the game or the um, just read the play a bit a bit better. Um, my specific uh, topic though would more or less be the fact that Mitch Duncan has for so long been pretty much criminally underrated um, and only in the last few weeks really has he has he started to gain more um, credibility across the, the league. Um, he's one of these players that I don't think he's even been. Has he been in an Australian all Australian squad? Never been. No, he hasn't. Yeah, I know he hasn't been. He's not even been selected for for one team on the bench no. anything along these lines. He's too good of a player to go his whole career without. At least one All Australian um, selection. Maybe this is the year. I'm hoping that that it is. Oh, we could potentially see three as it stands right now with the performances of Tom Hawke. Yep, he's a certainty to lock in at full full forward as it stands right now. 
Mitch Duncan and maybe Sam Manigoa to sneak in his disposals and goals that he's collected up in, in 2020. But I'm lucky that I got that out of you all because the suggestions that I had to put through just to even <laughs> get one out. I was, I was picking at straws here. Come on, I'll pick one. Yeah. Um, maybe Look. McDonald's being the official restaurant of Geelong <laughs> and Rari Street. Um, <laughs> uh, danger. Uh, loving the camera, maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> particular players not taking a wage cut in 2020 when other players are suffering. Uh, the AFL suspending yeah. a Sydney rookie for a season. Yeah. But if it's a high-profile yeah. player, Dusty. Are they going to do the same? So I'm lucky I got something out of you there. <laughs> yeah, it's a, look, I can be the diplomat, um, very much the diplomat in, in regards to um, the topics I choose. You're the public um, relations uh, administrator for Kitty Cloud. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, more or less, yes. <laughs> On that note, just quick sharp. We're doing this via Zoom, so unfortunately, we're actually running out of time <laughs> on current restrictions. Upcoming player of the week for me is going to be ever reliable Mitch Duncan for Cloud Cat of the Week, and I'm going with a 28 point margin. Leon? I'm going to go Stanley to have a blinder for game, and we will win by 40 points. I like it. Oh. Dangerfield and Cats by. Five goals. Mm, Zach Dewey, Cats by 10, uh, 10 goals. Ooh. Interesting. On that note, go Cats. Top go four. Cat. Go Cats. Go Cats.